Being the Worst, Episode 24, recorded Tuesday, February 5th, 2013. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst podcast. Audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsman. With your hosts, Carrie Street and Renat Abdullah. In this episode, Carrie and Renat dive into the GTD code and discuss ways to choose words in the ubiquitous language. The new interactive shell allows them to use and shape the domain model as it evolves. In addition, an event store is introduced to persist messages, and they discuss ways to replay and view these state changes in the console. And now, here are Carrie and Renat. Renat, some late night hacking for you to move the code forward so we have some new stuff to discuss. So probably not the best code you've ever written in your life, but enough to give us some stuff to talk about, right? Well, technically, that can be considered one of the best codes because uh, if you consider the difference between code that was never written or code that was <laughs> not written and not working, this code was written, it's ugly, it will be improved, but the damn thing is working. <laughs> That's a very good point. It's, it's much better code than it was last time because we've got new features that actually work. Yeah, and we can improve from, uh, on that later. Basically, there was a short paradigm about development, and it was saying that in pain-driven development or software-driven development, uh, there are like three steps. So first step is to make it possible. Basically, you use the most mean, the most hackiest, the most dirtiest way just to make something happen. Because if something doesn't work, then no matter how beautiful the code is, it's useless. <laughs> the second step is uh, to make it beautiful. So to make it simple, to make it nicely looking, so to make it extendable, to make it understandable by other people. And the third step, if it's needed, you optimize it. So if there is like need to speed up, you uh, apply precise uh, speeding up techniques in the specific parts of the code, and it is possible because the code is already like friendly and readable. And then you continue iterating on that in cycles. Cool. So we're in the very beginning, in the place where everything sucks and we're being uh, the worst. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And um, because it sort of continues from the last couple of episodes when we were talking about uh, just concepts and getting into some discussion around naming, we actually had a good conversation going on beingtheworst.com for episode 22 comments around just naming. And we mentioned in uh, a couple episodes ago around the tenant. And I know in some of the new code today, you've changed a couple of the names. So I think we'll get into that when we're reviewing the code. But if people see the comments on episode 22 on our site, you'll see uh, we had Alex and Johan and Jason and other people talking about, hey, what are some suggestions for a tenant? And I was curious about your opinions on on the situation because for words like tenant and inbox versus in basket, uh, I know both of us have done a little digging around to get some David Allen content in the books or online or videos and stuff. So we're a little bit more familiar with what David Allen, our domain expert, actually says. And so that made me curious about, well, number one, in the real world, we I don't know if we'd spend this much time uh, wasting so much time on one particular word, but maybe we would. But I can see somebody listening to this and seeing our comments going, really, guys, are you going to spend four days trying to decide if it's tenant or uh, GTD system or trusted system? Is it really that important? And maybe it is. But what it led me to be thinking about was... Do you ever make a distinction between 
the core ubiquitous language and the published external shared language so that nuances uh, like in-basket versus inbox, which I would argue in-basket is what David Allen calls it. That's the thing you throw papers in and kind of all these pending action items. And inbox, which is sort of like what probably more people in our universe would call it. Would you ever make that distinction? Does it depend? Like, what are your thoughts on word battles like that? Well, first of all, in our case and generally, the idea is to have the core domain model to be captured using the same language that is used by the majority of the people who will be related to that domain model or who will be using that domain model, who work in the domain. Okay. So uh, currently, we just put aside published language concept completely. So we don't care about it. We're focusing on the core domain. And in that case, we have one domain expert being David Allen, whom we're listening, books we're reading, and he says in basket. But this guy is still using uh, Lotus Notes as his trusted system. (laughs) And Lotus Notes are old. Yeah, I used it Uh, at uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. I think that was in like 1996 or something. (laughs) Well, and people say that it's quite good. Yeah, it was was uh, pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I was reading about it. I was reading about actually uh, the design of it. And I got really excited about the stuff that we were doing and the problems we were facing and some of the problems we can solve in our project. Okay, but that's aside. So David Allen is one of the experts. He's the most authoritative expert in the field, but he's only one person. And we're actually targeting like a lot of users, a lot of developers, Mm -hmm. or potentially maybe you, me, and my grandma uh, (laughs) who'll be working with the code base. (laughs) And the idea here is to arrive to some like kind of weighted, uh, medium, uh, commonly understandable word that will uh, ring a bell to everybody, not just to David Allen. So in our case, I think when we're talking about in-basket or in-box, in-box might make slightly more sense. Cool. Okay, that helps a lot. Because for those in the room listening that are extremely black and white, it lets you release that uh, issue of it doesn't have to be exactly what page 92 says. It's uh, it, There's other factors and that makes sense to me. So that's cool. Yes. So, uh, and actually, like if there was somebody on the project saying, hey, it has to be really in basket, in basket. Okay, if the person is important, then why not? Because the actual, the core difference between in basket and in box is not that much. Right. So it's... Almost in certain places, it's almost like flavor preference. Yeah, because those two words in particular, I mean, I think most people, even if they were arguing on one side or the other, would agree that they're pretty much synonyms. They basically represent the same physical or conceptual thing in life. They're not, I guess, you could, if you wanted to be a real jerk about it, you could argue and say, no, people think of in-baskets as where you put paper and in-boxes are for like Outlook and electronic stuff, but... I know just as many people that would call their paper thing an inbox too. So, so I see how you can get into those debates, yep. and then and, and actually, really there is cares. a really easy way to uh, get closer to the truth. Maybe stop worrying too much about where the word comes from and who uh, originated it, and simply focus on which word do people actually use in everyday language. So, I don't remember that we were talking uh, while talking about the GGD, we were using even term in basket. Right, we can either. try using it. We can try putting it in the commands and see if we will go, okay, uh, so we put this task uh, or we capture this idea into our in-basket. Mm, I don't think it's kind, of, it's kind of going to stick. We, put, we capture this idea into the inbox. Makes more sense. Me too, yeah. That's a good little rule of thumb is when it's rolling off the tongue to the most of the people that are going to use the core domain, I think, at least for our universe of me, you and your grandma, 
we like inbox, so we're going to stick with that for yes. for now. Um, and what is your grandma's? And we can we can change later. Yep. What's your grandma's GitHub name? Uh, Grambo, I guess. Oh, Grambo. Okay, I'll look for Grambo. I'll add her to the being the worst account. Uh, anyway, so I think that general um, approach would apply to our conversation on the website about tenant and what are we going to call tenant. And we don't need to get into solving that problem uh, right now. I I think we could probably just jump into the code that you've updated and start walking through it and maybe think about that tenant or any other name changes you made as we go. Well, actually, I didn't even bother about changing the tenant idea right now. So it's because I was focusing on slightly something different on the persistence. Okay. But I definitely agree with changing tenant to anything uh, that you would propose. Okay, that makes it easy. So, uh, and remembering that you were raising the point that uh, using GTD in actual message names, maybe we would want to avoid that because GTD is a registered trademark. Uh, it's lowercase TD, guys. It doesn't mean getting things done. It means uh, going to develop. That's what it meant. It was going to develop. That's what this is. Um, but uh, what the other thing, because you mentioned that, do you have any other rule of thumbs around... I'm opening up tenant aggregate right now in the code. So tenant aggregate right now is in the gtd.coredomain.appservices namespace. And because the namespace starts with GTD, based on what I've seen so far, tenant representing an instance of the entire universe of how GTD works for an individual is how I've read what Mm. that's supposed to be. If if that's accurate, GTD system or trusted system or whatever is probably what that's going to end up being. And would you avoid using GTD again? Because I think GTD system makes that particular object very obvious on what's inside of here. Yes, yes, yes. So duplicating it, you don't care, it's fine? Well, we can duplicate it, but... Currently, our core domain, it, fo- it seems to focus on GTD. Mm-hmm. So there is not much uh, use in reiterating the intent in actual aggregate name. However, if we move on forward, we might find uh, introducing more aggregates, which don't focus, for instance, on the, exactly on the tasks, but they maybe focus on inbox, or maybe they focus on delegated tasks. And then the difference might come in handy. We'll see. Once again, there is no uh, really hard rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. But as with words we'll use, we'll see if it sticks or not. And if something doesn't stick, heck, we can refactor in the name. That's a good idea. I like that general rule of just as we discuss it, which word seems to come out of our mouths? Do we say GTD system? Do we say system, trusted system, whatever? That's a good idea. Yeah. Cool. All right. So where should we uh, jump into the code? Okay, uh, so for this episode, uh, you'll need to go to the branch 24 if you want to see the code base exactly as it stands uh, for the stuff that we're talking about. And what you can do is find the project called gtd.shell and launch it. Okay, and uh, all right, the Visual Studio project named gtd.shell. Should I launch that now? Yeah. All right. Okay, so what you will have here it's almost exactly the same thing that we used to have in the previous, in the last episodes of the Expedition 1 when we were dealing with Factory. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is Interactive Shell, which has a few, one, two, or three, four uh, commands, uh, console commands that you can type in. And these console commands somehow interact with our domain model. Okay. However, unlike uh, the Factory sample, where every change and events they were persisted in memory. Uh, this console has a slight improvement. I hacked uh, and hardwired event store from Lucat Secure S into this console. 
So this means that changes in this console are persistent. Although we can only do one or two changes, but still, they will be persistent between the console launches. I see. Okay, so you can type help for list of the available commands. All right, I'm being the worst interactive shell. <laughs> nice. And I typed help, and I see the available commands of capture, exit, help, and inbox. Okay, so uh, here when we're talking about like the console commands, the shell commands, they are somehow equivalent, for instance, to the buttons that we'll have on the web UI or on the uh, web client UI. Okay. So these are parts of the UI. And if we have some views, and we have one view here, so the views uh, which are here in memory, they'll be equivalent to the stuff that is displayed on the screen. Mm -hmm. And so actually, like doing this really simple interactive shell already helps, and as you will see, it will keep on helping to flush out, uh, to make it more consistent, uh, the ubiquitous language and the domain model. Because domain model never exists only in its separated universe. It has to be accessible and achievable and friendly. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, one of the core parts of the domain modeling exercise is not only to capture the domain model in the events, like via the behavioral stuff, for instance, with, as aggregates with event sourcing, but also write code that will actually use this domain model. This will help to streamline some maybe missing parts and will help to straighten lo the logic. Yeah, I love it. It's kind of like a REPL for a domain language. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you can type, so uh, one of the commands, it's uh, capture. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, talk, it, it talks about the stuff that you capture in your inbox. Yep. Uh, uh, for instance, David Allen has this exercise called Minesweep. When uh, you when you go all through the day and uh, you have lots of thoughts running around your head, and these thoughts, like each of the thoughts, like do something, it usually triggers a set of small uh, processes related to them. So the thought is maybe a command pending somewhere. When it gets into your focus, into your vision, this command triggers some events, and then you start thinking. So it produces events, and then maybe these events in your head they produce uh, like they trigger some other commands, and you spend a few brain ticks, a few uh, CPU cycles of your brain, thinking about this thought. But then all the sequence of the events, it's not even persisted. So uh, you will forget everything, all the subsequent thinking, and you'll still have the initial thought running in your head. And then maybe 10 hours later, you remember, oh, I forgot something. Or here's this initial thought, and you start thinking about this stuff again, mm -hmm. triggering all the thinking process. So uh, one of the concepts behind the getting things done principle is you capture these initial thoughts, to make sure that you will never lose them, and you capture them in a trusted system, in a system that you trust that will not forget anything. Yeah, that will not forget uh, and, anything and that you know you will reliably go back to, basically. Yes, and in our case, the trusted system has even double meaning because this trusted system persists stuff using event sourcing, which means that we can never completely wipe anything. We can never completely erase anything because we can go uh, back into the event history and have the state of the system as if it were at any given moment in time. Yep. So it's like you, once something entered there, it's permanent. It can be continuously replicated to multiple data centers. It can be continuously backed up, but it will never be erased. You know what's going to be funny is once I get all of my thoughts, random thoughts captured in an event store, and I run all those, uh, you know, those metrics that we said you could run against, uh, like GitHub histories, or to see where mm -hmm. your your code's wasting cycles and your, you know, bugs and stuff. It'll be interesting when we're able to like do analysis on our thought process and see like you seem to be spending a lot of wasted time on these topics. <laughs> it could be, it could be, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but yeah.
Uh, okay, so uh, this was a side effect uh, talking about the getting things done principle, where the first step in everyday routine, iterative routine, is try to dump all the thoughts that run in your head, that you try to remember, that you waste your nervous energy trying to remember into the trusted system. And you dump them exactly as they are. So it can be a notebook, it can omnifocus, it can be this console shell, and you get them on, out of the head. You'll feel relieved. So uh, the capture command, it captures like this idea. Currently, it just you type, for instance, capture, do Russian, or capture, do homework for episode 24. Okay, we'll do that now. Do homework for episode 24. Okay. Okay. So once you capture, uh, like write a sentence with spaces, capture, do homework for episode 24, you hit enter. So uh, this thing was captured. Okay. Then how do you view inbox? So there is a command called inbox. Okay, typing inbox by itself, right? Inbox enter? Yeah. Okay. It should uh, display a list of items if you entered multiple items, and the last item should be do homework for episode 24. That's correct. Okay, and let's do one more, one last thing before uh, doing a quick dive into the code. Type exit and relaunch the console. Before I hit exit, it's saying inbox one because inside of the trusted system, uh, I'm going to be able to have multiple inboxes and each inbox has its own unique identifier? Uh, no. Actually, uh, I think we'll have only one inbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a legacy link from the system ah. because uh, inbox one, it meaning inbox for the trusted system number one. Each ah. like a person will have one trusted system. I see. Got so it. we kind of have multi-tenancy already built in. So that means if we left it that way um, inside the trusted system, it itself only has one universal inbox, but the clients, you know, we might physically have 25 inboxes, even though that's not optimal, but you might have your phone, you might have a web page, you might have uh, whatever. No. So we have currently the system is organized, like the domain model is captured in such a way, is implemented in such a way that each trusted system has only one inbox. And uh, ideally, the person will have only one trusted system. So I have one trusted system, but I have five physical ways in the real world to get stuff into my inbox. I have a phone, I have a voice recorder, um, and all those clients are going to just be talking to my single inbox. They don't need their own inbox. Okay. Yes. All right, cool. Now, you said, um, so I was looking at my two actions in there because I had typed one before we started recording, and I'm going to hit exit, and that kills the console. Yes, and so I just relaunched your console. Okay. And I'm back at the command prompt. Yes. So uh, it should say something, event store version something, running in memory replay, replay complete. Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, so, and just retype inbox again. My actions are sitting there. Yeah. So, hooray, for the first time in being the worst podcast in history, we have something that actually persists something to the disk, more or less. <laughs> We've taken it from RAM to actual physical disk. Wow. That's a big stack for humanity, right? I should insert a song here. I was just touching the tablet to the left of me, wishing I had a soundboard there so I could play the sound effect when it's a first time ever. <laughs> but <don't laughs> well, we can edit it back. Yeah, okay. edit it back. But yeah, cool, cool. So you implemented some, uh, I don't know how crude or not it is, but we have persistence in writing the disk. That's cool. Yes. Uh, and so uh, a quick peek behind the scenes to stay within the episode time frame. So currently, uh, the, if you go into the source code uh, actually into the bin debug folder of the console so that's usually a source like gtd folder slash source uh, slash gtd.console slash bin slash debug there'll be a bunch of dat files 
Yep, and uh, just because I can't help myself, any particular reason why the project is called gtd.shell but the directory is called gtd.console? Uh, because I initially I called it uh, gtd.console and then I rela- renamed it into the gtd shell. Uh-huh. And this renamed the project but kept the folder. Probably it would be worth to switch back to the gtd console because console is more familiar for people. Oh, okay. I'm just curious. Okay, so so physically on the disk, guys, you are looking at the gtd.shell project, but when you open the directories, it will say gtd.console, and you go in the normal bin debug, and I'm in there right now, or not? Yes, so you'll have a bunch of files, that names of which begins with zero, or you might have one file. Yep, I got a couple files, yep. Okay, because uh, you had multiple sessions. Yes. Uh, so that's currently the simplest uh, implementation of Event Store. Uh, like taken from a look at secure sample project. And this version of event store, like when a new session starts, it will start appending events to a new file. If the system crashes or uh, the system relaunches, then it will start appending events to the, to the second file. And I see these .dat files um, in the bin debug folder. When it appends, is each new file just the new stuff and then it goes back and reads all the old stuff when it needs all yes, the history? Uh, yes, okay. yes. This strategy was taken from React BitCask. Okay. where they have like append-only systems uh, for the transaction log. And the idea here is to make sure that the stuff is resilient towards the server crashes. The server crash as if my grandma went uh, server with a shotgun and shot the damn thing out of the sky. <laughs> uh, in this case, even if we happen to be writing the stuff to the disk and the, like, the power kills dead while you're halfway writing for the, to the disk, still the event store will not be corrupted completely because like the last part of the event was not written, which means that the entire uh, commit phase was not completed, which means that the signature, the commit hash of the event was not written to the disk. So on the next time when the system restarts it will de- and loads all the events, it will detect that the ending of the file is corrupted, so the transaction was not complete, so it will skip it. I see. Cool. So uh, that's a bit uh, of complicated current for being the worst, but it was much easier like just to copy the code as opposed to a right event store from the scratch. Got it. So when that when aggregate state goes to reload from history, it's in the when it pulls from disk, it's going to load every single dat file that exists in here and rebuild the the history from anything that's in all of the files. Yes, absolutely. Okay, got it. And from the secureS perspective, so uh, when our inbox command, what it does, it just goes into the in-memory view, in-memory representation of the system, which is derived from the events. And these in-memory representations, these uh, like persistent views, and views are, in our case, just a hack to avoid rereading the entire history every time we need to ask the system some question. So uh, this view exists only in memory. When new events are published, they are immediately applied to all views that are interested in them. Mm-hmm. And when the system starts, before it st- actually starts accepting the input, it will take all events that exist into the history and resend them through all the subscribed views. In essence, rebuilding in-memory views. And this way, if we change any views, if we add new views, or if we change how they are being projected, all we need is just to restart the system and it will be like up to the date. We don't need to change any structure or schema. And I see right down the current code, there's a folder called projections, but there's nothing in it. Where, where is that in-memory stuff happening? Oh, sorry. I moved it from there. So, well, basically you see in action the code in halfway through the development. So the proje- there is inbox projection class in gtd.shell. 
inbox projection in shell. Cool. Okay. Now refresh my memory because I don't see it in the code right now. So how does that projection code inside of inbox projection.cs know to be executed and react to the replaying of those events? Or those okay. Uh, it, there is a convention in our systems mm-hmm. that all the projections, like the class that will be wiring us projections, they should have when methods uh-huh. where the argument is uh, event. It's almost it's exactly the same as aggregate state stuff. I see. Okay. And actual projection is wired into the message bus in the program file. Program.cs? Uh, yeah, program.cs of gtd.shell. You go to the line, let's say around line 80. Mm-hmm. It's in the console environment inside the build method. Oh, okay. I see. Where there is synchronous event handler and we register inbox projection in this handler. Right, and that's similar, or if not identical, to episode 17's factory final stuff, right? Same kind absolutely, of Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So the only primary difference here currently is, first, we're finally using a persistent event store uh, as opposed to the in-memory store. Mm-hmm. Well, and minor difference is that we're talking about the new domain. Yep, got it. Okay, sorry, I took us away from that. But we had finished up going through the persistence and the files on disk in the bin folder. Mm-hmm. One more thing. Because previously we were persisting events in memory, so we can persist actually events as objects. In this case, we're persisting stuff on the disks, and objects don't go directly on a disk. Because object is represented in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. And it, it will depend on how the, what is your virtual machine, on uh, which framework you're using, etc., etc. So we need to convert objects which exist in, as memory into the byte binary representation that can be persisted. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the one more difference is that we have a small layer between the event store and actual uh, append-only drive, which will take the class, the instance of an object, and convert it into the packet of bytes. Mm-hmm. And then while reading that, first it will read from the disk like the name of the class to deserialize, and then it will actually deserialize that class. Although I think like we're talking ex- about exactly this stuff like in the first episodes of being the worst, so that shouldn't be that brand new. Right. Yeah, that's all sounds familiar. Although um, the disk stuff is new, so it doesn't immediately like nowadays. I know exactly where to look for aggregate, app service, and state. You know, I always generally mm-hmm. know where to go in the code, but to find out, hey, where's the magic that's converting objects to protobuf or bytes or whatever? Where's that mm-hmm. at? So uh, basically, this is not part of the domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is infrastructure, so usually it will stay in the project called infrastructure or in the actual code that executes. So in this case, it's our shell code, and the conversion happens in a file that is named iAppendOnlyStore. Ah. Once again, that's a code that is like is halfway that is like really raw, mm-hmm. uh, really fresh. So I didn't even bother putting files, different classes into different files. I see, but that's how it knows how to do that conversion. That's doing back and forth, right? Uh, the conversion happens inside the class called message store. Message store. It's in the very end. Yeah. It's roughly around the line uh, 483. Oh, oh, in that same file. Yeah. Ah, okay. From object to bytes and from bytes to object, both or no? Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, there is a method called load cam- uh, data contracts from assembly off. Mm-hmm. Uh, this method is called when the system starts, and we like find all the available message contracts. And for each of the message uh, like contract class, which is our command and event classes, 
we find the name, we find the type, which is .NET type, and we find contract name, which is in our case would be something like btw slash gtd slash action captured. Mm -hmm. And this is actually like this uh, thing. It's uh, the string that is written actually to the disk. So, uh, so when the event store reads stuff back from the disk, so first it will read the string, be, uh, being the worst slash uh, gtd slash uh, action captured. Then it will know that there is uh, a set of bytes afterwards that have to be deserialized using protobuf reference of this type. And that thing, the, the namespace basically that you just gave us, that's what's in the extern keyword of the DSL, right? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Got it. And all right, that makes sense. And by the way, guys, that was again in the gtd.shell project, the iAppend only store.cs file around line 490 ish. Yeah. Cool. So currently, we don't really care that much about this code mm -hmm. because it's like crude implementation of event store. And this might be interesting later, but for now, we just know that this is the code where you put a bunch of events. And then you can read them uh, from the disk later. Yep, uh, totally agree. A lot of infrastructure goo there, but um, for old school, well, probably just at least for me in general, like when you go from, hey, in the old days of just writing a file to disk and I knew my data was right in my directory, I, I knew how .NET was writing a file and how do I go get those files and stuff like that. But when the magic just happens in the event stream, you're like, well, I like that I have a file. I just have no idea why I have one. So this helps. <laughs> so. Well, a uh, topic of uh, persisting files and exactly how they are persisted, it's really interesting, but that's like for a whole set of other episodes. Cool. And if listeners are interested in uh, learning more about that, uh, they can go read all the amazing white papers, for instance, about the transactional logs of document databases, for instance, uh, about a React Bitcast or about Redis transactional log persistence. Because transactional log in these systems, it's exactly the event store. I see. And we'll have well, we'll put some references to those maybe in the uh, show. Yes, we will. Show. All right. Okay, so uh, once again, this uh, code for this episode, it doesn't introduce a lot of new stuff. It just tries to introduce, to reapply principle from the first expedition of being reversed, which was about the factory, to the new domain, while also adding uh, the persistence. Yeah. And so now we have some foundation where we can actually talk about the uh, domain language and continue evolving both the language and the domain model. I like it. And so uh, finally in the console, hopefully in the next episode, we'll be able to define projects. We'll be able to convert captured entries into the actions within these projects and do a bit of other stuff. Awesome. Any okay. uh, other stuff we need to uh, point out in uh, the new code or anything that is important to be aware of now? Mm, I'd say not much. Uh, the homework here would be simply to go into the project, run the shell, get perplexed by the fact that there is only one command that does something and one view, <laughs> and try adding more commands, events, or console stuff just to make it work. Okay. The, uh, the language, the infrastructure... In essence, the tool for writing domain uh, models, for creating domain models, is at your fingertips. Yes, I like it. And uh, I see that you started to use this tool at your fingertips to start changing a couple of the words. And, for example, I'm looking in our normal messages.ddd file, and mm -hmm. I see that you have um, capture inbox entry, 
and define action. And I was going to ask you about that because I also had a, I was struggling with the way that David Allen speaks about that with, um, it seemed like the stuff that's in your head that you just kind of randomly throw out into your inbox. Did you perceive that as actually being an action or that's just like stuff capture that could eventually become an action? In the Omni focus, that's basically uh, action. In my head, that's stuff capture. Me too. I and like that better. I, yeah, and I really wanted to uh, make them separate. Me so too. this way, while uh, capturing stuff out of my head, I will not be tempted, for instance, to provide the context or to overthink it. Exactly. That that was exactly my concern. Is Because the whole point is about clearing your head quickly and easily without thinking much about it. I didn't even want to be thinking about like, well, what's really the name of this action? That's later for processing. Yes, absolutely. And also, by providing this fine-grained difference, we explicitly capture, capture the fact that these items will have different usage patterns. Because mm-hmm. inbox entries, they usually added and removed. Added and removed. Well, uh, to be exactly like, they can be deferred, they can be archived, they can be promoted to the project, they can be used to define an action, etc., etc. And actions, when they have, uh, when they are defined, they have different usage cycles. And by differentiating the information flow, we'll noticeably simplify the merging process. Because the inbox, is, for instance, it will be, will be the place where we'll be dumping information from our mobile devices, from our iPads, uh, from maybe web UI, while we are on the go. Mm-hmm. And there might be quite a few uh, conflicts. So there is, this will help to resolve. And actions, they'll have different flow. We can mark actions as completed while talking on the phone, or maybe mark actions as completed while viewing at the system via the iPad, etc., etc. Yes, and I realize you you were throwing this code together, but just being able to interact with the console and look at the DSL and see what I like to naturally type, you might be seeing some pull requests uh, as I do my name experiments. Because I, I think what we basically just said was, we might technically be capturing an inbox entry, but in the console, I'm really it's really asking me to capture my thoughts. Like I'm capturing a mm-hmm. thought, not an action. And um, it might technically be an inbox entry, but I might even argue that we might change that to capture thought because that's really what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's Just cool. go ahead and cracking it. Yeah, giving me an interactive REPL uh, console to mess around with words is, is going to be your biggest nightmare. You know? I'm going to start changing every single word you've ever typed in life. <laughs> so, uh, come on. Uh, <laughs> nothing can be better than my experience when I opened that DDD file in front of the audience in Africa. <laughs> and I had to scroll uh, multiple pages down saying, sorry, these are comments, these are comments. You, this is, yes, this is the most heavily commented code you ever see in your life. So behold, that's Kerry. Yes, that's Kerry. And, and then, then I'll say, uh, we remember our core values. Of, it's about teaching and learning. So the code is suffering. The quality of readability is suffering for uh, comments. But yeah, I, even when I was trying to yesterday mess around, I pulled episode 17's factory final project over to do some personal code stuff. My head was killing me with all the comments and even the regions in there. I'm like, okay, I, I, I get it that that was probably fine for the initial expedition and learning and up uh, the first, you know, factory stuff. But 
boy, I really hate these comments right now. I'm, I'm deleting, deleting. Like it's hurting my brain just looking at them. So that's funny. <laughs> okay, we'll see uh, how many comments we'll have by the episode 55. Yeah, that being said, part of myself is like, well, I still want to know this because I don't want to go look back at my notes from what Renat reminded me what this was and I forgot. I go, what I really want is this overlay comment system. I think I mentioned that in another episode mm-hmm. where I still want this information in context. I just don't want it in the source code file. Like I wish there was such thing as a part partial comment file just like there's partial classes that well there actually there are but that's messy stuff oh really okay forget it yeah we don't i don't care that much (laughs) (laughs) what i'll do is just try to have less comments and the comments i do use have less verbose comments and ideally uh, what i was doing yesterday was mess around with the actual words of the code uh, so that it's so ob- obvious. More descriptive. Yeah. yeah, it's obvious what it's doing and makes more sense. But what I'm noticing that happens is then I'm transferring the mess in the comments to the mess in like 500 character variable names, which is not optimal either. So I know there's a delicate balance, but I haven't found it yet. <laughs> okay. So as long as we're moving forward and keep on getting, staying the, the most horrible, the most messy, the most overcommitted project, I'm fine. <laughs> it makes you feel warm and fuzzy and it's going to let you sleep like a baby tonight. So. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely having good sleep this day. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. So we know what our homework is. Uh, you guys have the code to get it. We are no longer doing separate projects in the repository for every – yeah, no longer separate directories and solutions for every single episode like we did in Expedition 1. So if you're confused, like, why don't I see what they're talking about, go to GitHub – uh, you can change from the master branch to the specific episode branch if you want to look at it online, or you would actually have to use the git commands to switch to uh, the right branch if you want to see Check that. Out, yes. So let's just say that one more time, Renat. Uh, so I'm a new listener. I just heard the podcast today. I cloned the, the repo of being the worst, uh, this one. I have a master copy, but I just want to see this code. What should I type in the console? Uh, you type git space checkout space episode 24. So E24. Got it. And then that's and then the console actually changes from, it shows you uh, the highlighted, you know, you went from master to E24, and that Git magically makes your working directory identical to what we're looking at right now. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Uh, I think that'll do it. We are at beingtheworst.com. We're getting more comments lately. Love it. Keep it up. Like the discussion. We'll probably end up having some comments on the GitHub issues list as this code starts to evolve and maybe move them from comments to where the actual code is. I don't know how that's going to go or not, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, good conversations there. Keep it up. Beingtheworst.com. We are at beingtheworst on Twitter. I'm at KC Street and Renat is at Abdulin. Uh, we know what we're talking about next time. Any sneak peeks or to be determined? Well, we'll just keep on evolving the code. All right. I like it. Thank you for cranking it out, and I'll talk to you whenever your eyeballs are open and ready to talk. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye, guys. See you later. The Also Sprock Zero Tustra audio clip was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incomtech.com.